You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. Let me start off this morning by telling you about the one physical fight I have been in my entire life. Okay, you ready for this? It wasn't last night, so just, just calm yourselves. Uh, when I was 13... I was living in, uh, well, not actually Brisbane, Australia. I was living just below that, a place called Logan, in a very tough suburb called Daisy Hill. (laughs) Real tough. tough. Also went to school in Daisy Hill. And uh, it was the first year of high school in Queensland. I was 13. And then there was this one day, and it was, should have known, I should have known it was going to be an ominous day. Like, this is, like I said, in southeast Queensland. But that day, the skies were grey and overcast. There was something in the air that was kind of swirling and my class was waiting for our maths teacher to turn up and uh, very quickly I realized there was something going on there was I can still even see it today we were at this block called Wesley and we were the class from the very end and to the left there was this giant empty field some birds circling overhead maybe some vultures or something Uh, and I know I think I was talking to a friend or something and I suddenly looked over and kind of where the, uh, there was like some bag racks and like half the class had kind of circled around this one thing. And so I'm like, what is going on? And a couple of the girls in my class had grabbed like, it, was like, it wasn't even a pencil case, it was like one of those wooden boxes. It was kind of cool to have back then. And some of the girls were like crowding around this, this wooden box, everyone's talking about it. And so I got to see what's going on. And on this wooden box, they'd written JH for... BM, or JH loves BM, something like that. Now, the pencil case belonged to a kid in my class who was not particularly uh, popular, whose name was Jacob Hinckley. And it didn't take me too long to realize I was the only BM in the class. So I did the mature, rational thing you do as a 13-year-old. I grabbed the top of that pencil box lid and went to throw it in the bin. Poor Jacob Hinckley has no idea of context and just sees me trying to grab his pencil box and throw it in the bin. And so he comes after me to get it back, and we end up in this fight. Now, how I imagine that fight goes, it was kind of like, you know, the Rocky themes playing, and there's the slow motion, and the, you know, and ducking, and and all the rest of it, and it was actually more like this. I could pretend, but I really know what it was like. And then deputy head of school came around the corner. I'd never seen her so mad. She pulled us apart. And then, you know, I regained my head and, you know, suavely apologized. And no, I cried. Um, <laughs> but I didn't get suspended because they decided the girls had started it. And so we got off with a detention, which was a great thing. Uh, but, you know, that moment... That physical fight was not quite all those movies I love. Like, you know, I'm a, I, I love Gladiator. Anyone love Gladiator? Yes. yes. I'm Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix Legions, servant to the true emperor Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I, join with me, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. You know, that kind of movie gets me pumped up. The movie Warrior. I, look... If you've never seen the movie Warrior, incredible movie. It's about mixed martial arts. Clearly, I'm a natural in that field. Uh, But I love it. It's about these two brothers who are, like, competing and fighting, and they've both got their reasons, and, you know, they're smashing each other in the ring. And 
it's amazing, and they're trying to win this big prize. The reality is, though, if I come up against a strong gust of wind, I'll probably come second. <laughs> but here's the thing. I'm called to be a fighter, and you're called to be a fighter, too. This is not about a, a physical fight. This is about a much bigger fight. And, you know, for this whole series, these four weeks, we're looking at a passage in Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 13. And come with you, let's read this together. It says this. Finally, you always know something important is about to be said when it finally gets said. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may, able, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. So this morning, we've got a, a couple of minutes, and uh, I just want to really set up this series for us. Over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about what this actual, this armor is. We're going to have Pastor Paul, we're going to have Pastor Scott really unpack this. But my job this morning is to really get us just to understand what this battle is about, why this armor is important. And so this morning, I just want to establish three key facts, three key facts about what this life actually is, what this battle is, why you are a fighter. And the first one is this, there is an enemy. There is an enemy. You know, the name Satan that appears in the Bible, there wasn't like a, you know, it's not like a mother went, mm, what's a nice name, Satan? Satan literally just means adversary or enemy. When we talk about Satan, he's not this guy who's misunderstood. His whole role, his whole identity is just he is the enemy. He's the adversary. Even the word devil just means slanderous. It means a liar. It means a deceiver. Everything about him is not like I said, misunderstood or, you know, he just gets a bad rap. Everything about him is destructive and evil and out to get you. John 10.10 says this, The thief comes only, only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 1 Peter 5.8-9 Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You know, I think sometimes, I mean, who, who likes to be liked? Let's be real. Who doesn't want people pleasers? Probably don't want to put your hands up, because you're like, what if someone doesn't like me for it? Um, I like to be liked. I generally don't like people to dislike me. There's not an option here. You can't just kind of sneak under the radar with your life and hope, you know, the enemy doesn't notice you or doesn't care about you. He's out to get you, okay? He's never going to like you and he's never going to be satisfied unless your life isn't a complete mess. So the solution to having an enemy is not to try and go under the radar. One way or another, we're in a fight. It just depends if we're going to fight badly or fight well. In fact, if anything, this morning, if you can walk out with one thing, it's this, fight right. Fight right. Fight right. So we've got an enemy. Second thing to know, there is a war. There is a war. Uh, You know, verse 11, verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That word there, struggle, is the Greek word parle. What it doesn't mean is this. You maybe, you know, maybe get to work on, I don't know, towards the end of the week, or maybe it's tomorrow for you, and you're like, oh, the struggle is real. <laughs> the barista didn't have the right coffee, the struggle is real. <laughs> you know, Carol's just shown me like a million photos of her 14 cats dressed up as people, the struggle is real. <laughs> That's not the struggle it's talking about. The struggle that we're parlay, what that actually denotes, is literally face-to-face wrestling combat. And the kind of wrestling combat that ends with one person on top of the other holding the other person down by their throat. Okay, so this struggle that we're talking about is not something ephemeral or um, esoteric or something kind of vague or... It's real. There is a real struggle going on. Um, You know, the enemy is strategic. He is scheming. He's out to do whatever he can to take us out. If you want some reading over this series, C.S. Lewis, who is one of my all-time favorite authors, wrote this book called The Screwtape Letters. And this book is written, it's, it's, it's a fiction book, but it's written with uh, some real point to it. Um, it's from the perspective of this demon who is trying to take this guy out from the plans that God has for him. And this book, when you read it, you're like, oh my gosh, I have fallen for that before. Oh my gosh, I have fallen for that before. And it unpacks exactly how easily we get taken out Um, In my preparation for this uh, message this week, I read a a commentary on the book of Ephesians, and the, the, the author wrote this about this passage. He said, Mention of the schemes of the devil remind us of the trickery and subterfuge by which evil and temptation present themselves in our lives. Evil rarely looks evil until it accomplishes its goal. It gains entrance by appearing attractive, desirable and perfectly legitimate, but it is a baited and camouflaged trap. So there is a battle going on. Now, here's the thing. I think sometimes we can get a little caught up in the superstition of it all. Like you go to KFC and you order a, I don't know, a Colonel Burger and you get a Zinger Burger instead and you're trying to cast a demon out of the poor 16-year-old behind the counter. Like, get out! He's like, I don't know what happened. Um, We can get super superstitious about everything. Think everything is the enemy. Oh, that person stole my car park, it's the enemy. Or Carol with her cats, that's the enemy. Or some of you actually think cats are the enemies, but it's not in the Bible. Um, we can get caught up in the superstition of things, and, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about blaming everything as being this, this work of the enemy. But you know what will happen? The enemy, I don't believe, causes every inconvenience in our life, but he will use those to try and distract us. The kid getting your KFC order is not the enemy. Him trying to make you fester and focus on that and take it out on that kid, that could be the enemy. So we need to be focused on the right enemy. You know, my fight with Jacob Hinckley, he wasn't actually the enemy. He didn't start it. It was actually a force far more scary and terrifying. 13-year-old girls. Except for the 13-year-old girls who were part of our church because they love Jesus and they're doing great things. But you know what I mean? Like, it, 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 was the, it, was the, it was the sly comment. It was, it was the insertion of the comments of those girls that actually started the real fight. Me and Jacob Hinckley fighting out about it actually wasn't accomplishing anything. It was just adding more fuel to the fire. 
So we need to know, understand who the right enemy is in our situation. It's not flesh and blood. There is another enemy. You know, even Jesus, when it came to Judas, Jesus knew he was going to be betrayed. And on the night that he was arrested, he knew it was going to be Judas. So why didn't he just take Judas out? I'm sure Jesus had a mean left hook. He was a carpenter. But he didn't because he understood that it wasn't really about Judas. That there was actually a a, a spiritual battle going on. And if Judas was taken out, another Judas would rise up. There was a greater battle to be fought. And that brings me to this. Number three, the victory is decided. Jesus went to the cross because he won for us the greatest victory that could ever be won in that moment. Come on. Let me share uh, share something with you this morning that hopefully I can transmit it how I realized it this week. I was sitting at my desk on Friday and I'm like, whoa. And um, one of our staff who was sitting opposite me like kind of looked up at me like, are you okay? And I'm like, sorry, as you were. Um, Verse 10 says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That phrase there, mighty power, in the Greek, it's not the only time it's used in the book of Ephesians. It's used one other time, and if we can catch this this morning, if we can understand what it is to be strong in the Lord and in this mighty power, this could, this could be a game changer for us. Ephesians 1, 18 to 21 says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know, not think, wish, or dream, that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably, here it is, great power for us who believe. So what is this power? This power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the age to come. Come on, that is the power we walk in. The same power that raised Christ from the dead and brought him back to life. The same power that raised him from the lowest of lows and put him at the right hand of the Father. The name that it says is above every and all, rule and authority, power and dominion, every other name. That's the power we walk in. Come on, I think that's worthy of some praise this morning. I think that's worthy of getting excited. Come on. The, you know what? We're in a, we're a, we're in a war. We're in a war. Every day there is the opportunity that we're going to be part of a battle. But you know what? Ultimately, our job here is not to win the war because Jesus has already done that. We're going to face some battles and some skirmishes. We're going to face the enemy trying to take us out, trying to take our families out. But the reality is, no matter what he does, he's already lost the war. He's already Jesus has won it for us. And we get to step into that, into that power every day of our lives. We don't have to take this lying down. We don't have to just sit back and think, oh, well, well, the enemy's going to do what he's going to do. He's already been defeated. And now he's just freaking out, trying to do the little parts that he can before he faces the ultimate day where he has triumphed once and for all and he's gone. Some encouragement on this. I have spent so many years of my life panicking about what would happen if you know, I, I used to think like, man, what would happen like if a gunman walked into a room I was in? Like, what would I do? Like, would I stand up for Jesus? Like, what would I say? Or what happened if like a family, this happened to a family member? Or what happens if, I, if that happened or this happened? And I've come to realize this. When Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow if you don't know what tomorrow will bring, it's for this reason. That incredibly great power is present in every moment, in our present day. 
If we're trying to get an assurance that there will be no battles and that there will be no challenges in life, we're going to be sorely disappointed. But if we freak out and think we have to know that how everything's going to go and we have to have complete control, we're going to get distracted and we're going to be taken out and we're going to get discouraged. But if we realize that that power is present in our everyday, that every day when we wake up and step into it, that power is available to us, we're going to live differently. We're going to live free from fear. We're going to say, you know what? Even if something happens that I didn't want it to happen, even if maybe I, I feel like uh, the situation works against me, even if I get that loss, that thing I was scared about, his presence is enough, his power is enough to get me through that moment until the day I stand in complete victory. So all that said, how do we win? Let's come back to Ephesians 6. It says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. There are three instructions in this passage. There are three things that we're told to do, three imperatives. The, uh, the first one it talks about is be strong, but that sense of be strong is actually, uh, it's actually like a passive sense. So it's what it's saying is you can be strong, you will be strong if you do this. It's a promise. Uh, and it says you can be strong if you do the two following things, if you put on the armour and if you stand. And so like I said, over the next three weeks, we're going to unpack what it means to, to put on the armour. Uh, we're going to unpack what it means to, to wear this. So this morning, really, I just want to talk to what it means to actually stand. What it means to stand. Because it says in that passage three times that we are to stand. The first thing we can do is stand on his word. Really practical, stand on his word. This is not just some good advice. This is not just some random thoughts that were put down to, you know, be put on a nice calendar to hang above your desk at work. Uh, This is a revelation of who God is and his plan for our lives. Come on, this thing is powerful. Hebrews 4, a verse that many of you will have heard before. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You know, I'm, I'm not a surgeon, just in case any of you were wondering. Uh, I'm not a surgeon, but a surgeon's ability to go into the very most intricate parts of the body and extract what needs to be extracted or to cut in what needs to be cut in to requires incredible precision. That's what it's talking about when it says the word penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Come on, this helps us see clearly. This helps us see... Uh, you know, what is actually going on in our world. I can't tell you that at times I've opened up the Bible and I've been frustrated or wrestling within myself about something and I read God's word and go, you know what? There's a clear distinction here between soul and spirit. What I've been feeling has been soul, but what my spirit tells me is what has come out of the word. I need to stop focusing on this and just keep moving forward. Come on, in your situation, when it comes to whatever you're facing in your life, what are you speaking over it? I know for me, I've had massive struggles in my life with insecurity. Massive struggles in regards to what does God think about me? Where am I at? Uh, 
And Psalm 73, 23 to 26 has become a cornerstone in my life. And it comes from a psalm of a guy called Asaph, who one day is just, he's mad at God. He's served God faithfully. He's loved God. He's, he's done everything right. And then one day he just gets frustrated because he sees all these evil rich people who are continuing to get away with all their evil actions. And he comes into God's presence, and in that moment, he has this revelation that, you know, they may be all right in the moment, but there is a consequence coming to them. But these verses have become a cornerstone for me. It says from verse 23 to 26, yet I still belong to you. You are holding my right hand. You will keep on guiding me with your counsel, leading me into a glorious destiny. Whom, Whom have I in heaven but you? And I desire you more than anything else on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Come on, that's my sword. That's what I need when I'm facing doubt or insecurity or anxiety or whatever it is. That's what I'm standing on. What's it for you? Come on, what are you reading at the moment? What are you actually investing into to speak over your situation? Because when we apply this to our life, we fear clearly. It's really hard to fight when you can't see clearly. Now, maybe Tom Cruise or a couple of other action stars will do those blindfolded scenes, they can sense every movement, but for the rest of us, we need to see clearly if we're gonna be in a fight. So we need to make sure we're standing on the word. Second thing is this, we need to stand under his lordship. Um, I'm a big fan of spy movies. I love them, I'd like to think I could be a detective or a spy, but again, after the one physical fight I've had, probably unlikely. Um, But I was watching Mission Impossible 5 last night in preparation for number six. And uh, hey, it's all about preparation, people. Uh, But I was watching that last night, you know, that that phrase that quite often appears in TV shows and movies, you know, our our operation has been compromised. Our operation has been compromised. It means that something has been allowed in that can derail the whole thing. The enemy is out to compromise God's plan for your life. Don't let him in. Come on, standing under God's lordship means, God, if you were lord of my life and I put you first, it means that there's no, uh, there's, there isn't the opportunity for the enemy to get in, to use compromise to derail or to detract us from what he has for us. Um, so let me encourage you, if there is something in your world that you know is not aligning with God's word, deal with it. Don't, don't give the enemy a foothold to get in there. And that may mean doing something that is particularly tough or vulnerable and going to a leader or going to a pastor or going to a good friend or someone and saying, hey, actually, there's something in my world that I've been covering up, but I think I need to deal with it. Like, let's stand under God's lordship and find the freedom in that. Number three is this, and I'm going to get the worship team to come join you, please, because we're going to apply this all in a second. Number three, stand together. Stand together. Come on, we don't do this fight by ourselves. I've got to tell you, over the course of the last few weeks, the, I, don't, I won't, obviously won't go into details, but there's people in my world who have been facing some incredibly difficult situations, some of their own causing and some that are completely not their causing. And, you know, if we try and get through that stuff by ourselves, it is very, very difficult. But there is power in coming together. There is power in unity. Um, you know, when, the, when the, the, the New Testament was written, the greatest military empire the world had ever seen was the Roman Empire. And I read this this week as I was, again, studying for this message. It said, in the day of battle, 
Roman soldiers were told to stand their ground and not retreat. Because as long as they stood together on a flat open field and did not break ranks, their legions were considered virtually invincible. In other words, when the Roman soldiers stood together with their shields, they could cover themselves all together with shields and move forward. But if one broke ranks, they were automatically exposed on every side. Come on, we need to be praying with each other. We need to be praying over each other. Now, let me put the challenge out there. If you're not part of a group or a team, that's not just for something to do. It's because there is power in standing together. Come on, we need to, we need to be together. We need unity. And the final one is this. Stand on his word, stand under his lordship, stand together, and stand anyway. And what I'd love this morning is if you would stand with me, because I believe there is something powerful in, in replicating the, the physical with the spiritual. Stand anyway. You know that verse, the passage we've been looking at this morning, therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Seems like a, an awkward place to put that last part right there, and after you've done everything, to stand. But what is being said there is, do everything you need to do to stand. And then when you've done it, just stand. Do everything you need to do to stand tall, to stand firm, to be clear. But after you've done it, just make the decision you're going to stay standing. We need to stand anyway. Come on, when life would try and take us down, when the enemy tries to get at us or our family or our friends, we just need to make the decision we're going to stay standing. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep invoking God into our circumstances. We're going to keep speaking the name of Jesus. We're going to keep speaking his word. Come on, we're not going to take it lying down. We continue to ask God to do a miracle until the day we see him face to face. One of my all-time favorite books of the Bible, and after this we're going to get into worship, but it's in 2 Timothy, and it's my favorite because the Apostle Paul, who through the Holy Spirit wrote a lot of the New Testament, it's, it's his final book. And I just believe that if you really want a person's wisdom, if you really want a person's perspective on life, you're going to get it towards the very end of their life. And at this stage, Paul had had this incredible ministry where um, he has traveled without any sense of vehicles or cars or, or planes or anything like that. He's traveled over a lot of the known world at that time, and he's He's preached the gospel and he's seen incredible miracles happen and he's seen people raised from the dead. He's had these visions. He's uh, seen these churches rise up that have completely shaken cities and changed the culture of cities. But then towards the end of his life, he gets arrested. And as he writes 2 Timothy, he's sitting in this cold, dank prison cell, knowing that even though he serves the one who is above every other name, He's waiting on the, the natural ruler, the emperor, to make a call on whether he lives or dies. And as he sits there, he's been abandoned by people. It's, it's, it is, we know it's cold because he's asking for a cloak. He doesn't even have a cloak with him. And everything seems like it would be wrong. Everything seem, would seem like that the battle was lost. But in 2 Timothy 4, 6 to 8, his concluding remarks, Paul says this, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. But I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, 
but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Come on, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. That's not just something to admire. That's something we can stand in. That's something we can proclaim over our life. You know what, God, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but I understand I'm in a battle. I understand there is a war going on, but I know that you have the victory. And so, God, I choose to stand on your word. God, I choose to stand under your lordship. I choose to do things your way. I choose to stand with other people. And I choose to stand anyway, even when it doesn't make sense, because you are enough. And this morning, we're going to do some of the best warfare we can do, and we're going to proclaim that name. We're going to proclaim the name of Jesus. We're going to declare that there is no other name. That same name, that is above every power and dominion and authority and, and um, you know, attack of the enemy, the one that has already been triumphed, the same power that saw Christ raised from the dead is alive in us today. And we can stand in that regardless of situation and say, Jesus, we know you're in us. We see you clearly and we choose to do that this morning. So let me encourage you. Come on, would you press in this morning? Come on, would you declare this name over your situation? This is, I really believe this morning there are people who are going to be speaking light into some dark areas of your life. I believe this morning that people are going to see breakthrough and change because of what you declare in this moment. So choose to stand. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.